is out. It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds, unbelievable. They wouldn't say die. That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. Welcome to another edition of They Came to Play. As I welcome Danny McGinley. Hello, mate. G'day, Lemo. Yeah, what happy, uh, happy autumn. Here we are. We made it through the coldest summer ever, and uh, we're we're here. And uh, it's it's exciting. You're you're in Adelaide. You're out of the infected yeah. areas. I I am indeed. The border closure was lifted uh, last Friday. I jumped straight on a plane. I came to Adelaide, and no one wears masks here. And when people greet yeah. you, they shake your hand and hug you, and some people even kiss you. Yes, it's uh, off-putting, isn't it? I don't like it. It really is. I've gone to I've gone because I've been fist bumping. That's how I greet people in Melbourne, yeah. and I've gone to fist bump people here, and they put their hand out, and I've ended up just punching people's hands. It's like paper wraps rock. Is how <laughs> I how I've greeted people uh, here in Adelaide. Um, but I'm loving it. I'm at the comedy festival. Uh, sorry, the Adelaide Fringe doing my show 2020 Vision. It finishes at the Rhino Room this Saturday night. If you're in Adelaide, uh, get along and have a look. Uh, now, we have a replacement, Tess Armstrong. She we has do. taken time out to have a baby. Um, so we welcome in a man who I don't believe is pregnant, uh, but we will confirm that with him shortly. Titus O'Reilly. Hey. Hello, mate. Oh, good to be with you all, and I can confirm I'm not currently pregnant, but uh, it's a sensitive topic. <laughs> okay, we we won't bring it up again. Uh, and Titus, you are doing a show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I um, am. Which is, is this your first run after having a thousand gigs cancelled last year? Yeah, I haven't been, I've been on stage, I did a lunch, that uh, was it late last year. So I've been on stage once. In it's there's going to be a lot of ring rust. It's going to be uh, yes. It's going to be interesting. Um, so I can't wait. You know, you don't realize how much you miss doing it until you have that like year layoff. And the la- the comedy festival show last year, I think I cancelled about a week before it. That we all got told it wasn't happening. Yeah, it was Adelaide finished mid March, and that's yeah. when everyone went, "Oh, what's going on?" There here? was talk of it, and then I think it was a, almost exactly a week out. They yeah. they word came out it's cancelled, and I was just glad I hadn't started writing the show. That was the only <laughs> thing that made me happy. Yeah, if what they cancelled it two hours before, then they would have caught your mid writing process. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I can't wait to be back on. There's there's sort of so much to talk about. Um, the lockdown gave me lots of time, but it's it's called um, Reflections of a Sporting Tragic, and it's all about why do we do this to ourselves, be sports fans. Now, and, well, you're, you, uh, on, you're all on support, yeah. Limo, so you're going, i got, like, you know, heaps of reasons. Um, yeah, exactly. What are, you, what are you talking about? You know what, my... my uh, I'm going to go away from footy, right? Because yeah. I've had my frustrations as a Hawthorne fan, but no one wants to hear it because they don't amount to what you've gone through, Titus. 
Yeah. Greg Norman at major golf tournaments in the 90s, the number of times I nearly threw a plate or a glass through my television screen when he just ch- – everyone talks about the Masters in 1995. He choked Everyone. in major. He choked in major tournaments about ten or a dozen times. Oh, he, he, he did it. He did it so much that you can't. He can't claim that there wasn't an issue. You know what I mean? Like a lot of yeah. people, he did it so often that it became yeah. his signature. You know, and the numbers. You know, Greg. A lot of people forget this, right? Tiger Woods holds the record for number of weeks <clears throat> at number one. Okay, which I think is about six hundred and eighty-seven. Okay. Number two is Greg Norman on 388. For 388 weeks, he was the, which is more than 10 years, he was the number one golfer in the world. 388 weeks. The next best below that is it's under 100. So like, you know, Rory McIlroy on 60 or something. Limo, uh, just to c- correct you for all the, uh, the, the factual pedants there, um, 366 weeks is about seven and a half years. Hey? <laughs> just watching watching Lemo's oh. mind try and do the calculation. You know what? Because in my head, for some reason, I was thinking 36 weeks is a year. <laughs> How did I think that? Okay, seven uh, years. Because you've worked in commercial months. radio for so yeah. long and that's how much you actually work? My brain's last, year, yeah, last year went for 200 weeks, so, you know, it's all relative. <laughs> yeah, see? There you go. Anyway, my point being, Greg Norman... Is the second best golfer of the last forty years and only has two majors to show for it. Both British Opens. So, but can you really count that as the same as your your footy club never doing well? Yeah, I agree with you, T. Uh, Titus. Well, this is this I is odd. It's, I mean, this sounds like a Hawthorne supporter trying to pretend that they've had yeah. some tough moments in their life. Real- what we're witnessing here, Titus, is a rich white man being upset on behalf of another rich white man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about, or what about you know watching the Socceroos play in uh, in World Cups? That's yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's pretty frustrating. frustrating. That, that's true, but look, it just it, it just got me thinking about it so much because it's just sport fans are sort of we're sort of. We're mad, but we know we're mad and we do it anyway. And the thing that got to me in lockdown that really bothered me is, and I don't want to get all political on your wonderful podcast. Here we go. But oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no but I'm going to raise a political issue, but it's not the political issue that bothered me. So I'm not going to like take a side or anything. But in the lockdown, if you talk to anyone about the pandemic in a political co- framework, people would barrack hard for one side or the other you know they would either dan andrews was either the devil incarnate or the greatest person who had ever lived and no one no no the pundits of both sides especially on social media and in the media would never accept that their own side had done anything wrong and would never and would never think the other side had done anything okay that that's the political bit but what i'll say is what bothered me was people said they're like sports fans. They're barracking. And I was like, us sports fans are not this bad. You know, if you say <laughs> we are, how, yeah. how dare you insult us by linking us to these maniacs? Because if you say to a Carlton supporter, gee, your club stuff up a lot recently, they don't go, no, we haven't. We're the greatest club in the world. They go, <laughs> they go, oh, you have no idea. 
and then they proceed to give you a list of things they've stuffed up that is <laughs> long, that that has numerous things on it that you weren't even aware of that you were and then and then you go well hang on wait for my team my team have done this 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 even Hawthorne supporters now have got straight back into this we we love yeah. to criticise our own side um, and is, so. What- could you say, Titus, then, I'm just sort of thinking out loud since you brought this topic up, that sports fans potentially hate their own team more than opposition fans? Well, well we love them, but we're, we love to – there's actually a um, there's actually a phrase for this um, that actually is uh, – psycho- psychologists have this thing – there's a phrase called berging, B-I-R-G, which is basking in reflected glory. So that's something that sports fans do. We do berging. Hell which yeah. Is, you know, so. <laughs> that should so actually we, be the, the Hawthorne nickname, the Hawthorne Bergs. <laughs> yes. In fact, that will be the name of my festival show next year. Yeah, so berging. berging is basking in reflected glory, which is when we say things like when we win, we say, oh, we did it. And, gee, we look uh, good out there today. Yep. And there's this other psychological phenomenon called corfing, C-O-R-F, which is cut-off reflected failure. So that's when sports fans do this thing where when a team sucks, they start to go, instead of saying, we look great out there, if we lose, we go, gee, they look bad out there today. Gee, they're hopeless. <laughs> And and they've actually psych, psychologists have studied this and said these are two phenomenons that sports fans do. We call it cutting off of reflected glory. So it's like it's actually you cut yourself off from the reflective play, failure. You actually start to preposition it to go, no, that they're terrible. Like it's nothing to do with you, which is something I think fans of political parties should think about coughing a little bit more. Which is <laughs> yes. don't feel you're part of it. If, unless you're actually part of it, don't feel you're part of it. You're I'm just saying, if it. you're a club member, then you are part I, of it because you're a member of that club, which is doing well. And that's why when you're terrible, you rip up your membership because I'm not part of this anymore. Yeah, that's right. It's like this is this is nothing to do with me. I'm I'm ashamed of you all. I've I've always said if you have a membership, you can say we because I I always say we and people go oh, yeah like you're part of the. So if you've got a membership, you can say we. Um, but I think I have done that, Tyler. Where I think everyone's done it. As where soon they... as we lose, I go, they were shit ass today. <laughs> we were good, they were shit ass. Well, so you, didn't, so you kept doing the right thing, Levi. I was just going to say, you keep doing the right thing by paying your membership dues. You've done your end of the bargain. There's literally nothing else you are allowed to do. So they did stuff up. That department of the footy club have stuffed up. So you can do that. Oh, if I don't get me started on membership because I used to be the guy in the Mark Neildair era. This just shows you how, you know, fanatical and stupid I am. On the membership form, you could tick a box and pay more to guarantee yourself finals and grand final tickets. (laughs) (laughs) And I used to tick that every year. I tick that every year, even when we were like, and we weren't even, we wouldn't even win a game. Like the idea of making finals, I'd still tick it in hope and pay the money on the off chance that something freakish happened. And actually, but it never did. So you know, it's kind of it is bizarre. But 
Yeah, your money. Where does your money go sometimes? If I'd put all my money I'd put in the Melbourne into Bitcoin, I would be <laughs> Can you imagine? See, Titus, my wife and I, we have sort of – we don't have intertwined finances per se, but when we go on internet banking, we can see all of each other's accounts. Right? Well, that's, da- that's dangerous. Yeah. So my wife can look at the credit card and she sees – how much I spend each month on our memberships. She's, she's always oh, asking no. you what OnlyFans is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <So> she, <laughs> oh, no, it's a footy thing. It's yeah. a footy yeah. thing. Well, it's for fans. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, gee, you spent a lot of money on it. Yeah, I'll, we're guaranteed grand final tickets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've, I don't know how many times I've had to justify to her this ridiculous expenditure on club memberships. Did you ever tick the box and pay for your membership for the final access to finals tickets and within a couple of days book September holidays? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never – see, as a mum's I never worried about the future that much. Like you just assumed you weren't going to be in it and you just didn't think about it, you know. Like plus being a Melbourne supporter – by September, our holiday season's over, you know? Yeah, the snow's it, melted. It's done. <laughs> so you make a very good point. So, aside, do you sort of drift into other sports, Titus, in your comedy festival show, aside from Aussie rules? Uh, yeah, no, I sort of look at all of it, just how the bizarre things that people have done in the world of sports over the years, how nuts we are. The things that we do. I mean, one of my favourite stories is in an NFL game, a player or a player decided, a fan decided to. It would be a nice thing to sprinkle his mother's ashes on the um, pitch, but did it yeah. during an actual game. Nah. <laughs> Not like the lady on it who listened to our show a few years ago, who said she slowly did her husband's ashes on the Gabba over the course of two years. She was doing it. Great Escape Shawshank Redemption style, just out yeah. the bottom of her trousers very right. slowly and eventually got that. Yeah, we talked about that a couple of years ago. Because That's of, actually of a much better way of doing it, isn't it? Hell yeah. It is much better. They don't, they don't let you do it at the MCG. Well, that's they why you've got you to sneak it. Yeah, because they had so many uh, requests. All right, so oh, just could on, you uh, imagine there'd just be mounds of dust? <laughs> They've been playing through Ash every week. Yeah, <laughs> like every player just – they look like the the last scene of Big Lebowski. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right in the face. So, Titus, on Crazy Fans, a couple for you. I, so my question is around age limits. What's the age limit for wearing your team's jumper to the game? Oh, I put, I put this on, face, on Instagram during the week because my, my kids wanted me to wear the footy jumper. So I okay. wore it to the Bulldogs game and I put it to Facebook. 80% said you're never too old to wear a jumper. Yeah, you're okay. never too old. You can always wear your jumper, I think. Certainly right. part of the 20% is- was, was my wife uh, and she yeah. kind of is China of the United Nations of my wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you, you should always be allowed to wear it if you want to wear it. There's parts of the MCC, though, that you're not allowed to wear a footy jumper into the bar. What? Yeah. But it's got colours. I know. I'm, I'm like, oh, sorry. I, I I thought I was at the football. That's like what it's like. No, you're not at the football. You're in the MCC. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, do do they just point? You, you can wear your private school blazer, though, so it's very odd. 
Yeah, do they right. just point at the demons playing on the field and go, what part of that makes you think this is a football match? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty true, actually. Uh, what about uh, what about face paint? Is there an age limit on face paint? Team face paint? 12. Yeah, I mean, I, they probably should. But, I mean, look, I don't want to stop people having fun. If you want to go and paint your face and, you know, carry on, then good on you, you know. I mean... I'm not going to hang out with you or anything, but <laughs> have all the fun you want. Well, Catman, one of the more famous fans in the area. Oh, he's a legend. Yeah, no, he's been he should, his he face here. I believe yeah, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on there, isn't there, though? It's a pretty busy arrangement he's got there. Uh, I believe his dad actually played for Geelong. Oh, cool. Uh, back in the day. And he's uh, just, just going by our... <laughs> co-host then, uh, uh, Limo, I guess that means Catman should go for Richmond. <laughs> what? Oh, why should he go for Richmond? Because Tessa's dad went played for St Kilda. I'm bagging out our co-host who isn't here. Oh, right, Tess, who, of course. And how she's a traitor to her family. Yeah. Well, while we're on Richmond, and, of course, she's actually a St Kilda fan, Titus. I don't know if you're aware of that. But she jumped ship in 2017. Um, oh, so none of that, it counts. None of it counts. That's right. They are unfurling. Um, they're unfurling two flags, as you know. Yes, time to test has brought this up a lot. Uh, Tess keeps banging on about this. How do you feel about Richmond unfurling two flags? Well, they're doing this in the – it's the season opener against Carlton, isn't it, that they're doing it at? Yes, yes. And doing it against Carlton, I mean, it's like this is like someone going up to their single mate who's very lonely and going – you know, I had a girlfriend. Well, now I've got two girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just unnecessarily cruel, isn't it? Yeah. And they, and they both live with me. Yeah, they both live with me. The three of us are very happy. Yeah. What's that? You're still single? Oh, that's, that's sad. Yeah. And when people see the three of us together, they can't help but applaud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's unnecessarily cruel. I mean, Carlton's a, there's Carlton towards the twenty that haven't, you know, seen a flag before, <laughs> so they don't even know. They won't even know what's happening. Yeah. Uh, now it will also. I, I see on social media today some people, including Bob Murphy, lobbying to have Bruce McAvaney commentate that game as a farewell to the commentary oh. box. He, of course, has uh, retired. We'll still be doing the racing in the Olympics. Um, but Titus, what uh, what's this going to mean for the uh, coverage? Because Bruce's voice has been synonymous with the AFL for a long time. I think he's called twenty grand finals over the years. Yeah, I mean Bruce, Bruce is an absolute legend in so many ways. I do I do think if we're being at his best, he was one of the greatest Australians ever produced in commentary. You'd have to say the last five plus years, he's become a little bit of a caricature of himself. You know, it was a bit the the rhetorical questions, the, you know, the, the love of certain players. There was a lot going on that was a bit, you know, the, you know, you just feel the next goal is important, all that. It was becoming a bit yeah. repetitive. <laughs> but even, yeah. at his, even at his worst, you know, where he'd become that character himself, he's still probably what, you know, 95% better than what the rest of Channel 7 are offering us. I mean, things like getting players' names right, just the little <laughs> things he did. 
I did see you mention that on the uh, on the socials. <laughs> well, you think well, you about know, it. BT last BT last season called former Sydney Swans player who's who's actually a mate of mine, which is why I noticed. In two separate games, he called Brad Seymour's name. Brad Seymour retired in 1995, <laughs> and BT called him twice last year in separate games. Well, a nice nod to Brad Seymour. Yeah, I rang Brad He's and still said, top of mind for BT." I, I rang Brad and said, "Do you know BT's called your name twice in Swans games?" And he said, "Really?" I said, "Yeah, it feels like when you were playing, you being named twice in a season." <laughs> Um, one of the things I loved about Bruce is he did something really unusual in the in the commentary box. Is he, as compared to a lot of other commentators, he described the play um, and added a bit of colour to it, and and that was it. As opposed to the thousand random side conversations that tend to go on these days. Yeah, oh, I mean, really relevant to the football. The, the thing that annoys me most about the commentary at the moment, and Bruce was guilty of this as well because you sort of got, they must have been told this or something to do it. But one, it's become incredibly matey and we're all great friends kind of thing. Yeah. But the congratulating and, you know, the others on their commentary during the commentary oh, to yeah. go, oh, great call, Brute BT or something, you know. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, imagine you did that at your work. Imagine you stopped in the middle of a gig and goes, gee, that was a great gig. Great gig. Great joke, Lemo. Yeah. <laughs> like in any other job, if you stopped in the middle of it to compliment your co-worker while you were doing it. You're just doing your job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that, ha- that happens a lot. Oh, so much. They just constantly – I mean, it is it's, – it's pretty close to unlistenable, I think – there's a few that are good. Hamish, I think Hamish is going to probably replace Bruce, and I, I know not everyone loves Hame, but I actually think Hame's very polished, it, which is which is something that the, most of them can't say. He is very polished. Isn't JB replacing him? Well, I'm worried about that too. You know, I Hamish will be Hamish will be like the the figurehead though, like the almost the captain of yeah. the commentary. Like he'll be the first person you see presenting. Eddie's uh, free. Eddie's got not a lot Eddie's on the moment. Do you know who's an underrated commentator? Is Anthony Hudson. They need to get him on seven. I reckon he's well, he, really well, good. And, and, uh, and Steve Quartermain, yeah. Of, Steve Quartermain and Anthony Hudson. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to fix the commentary team in five seconds. Uh, yeah. yeah they, when they were commentating together at Channel 10 uh, all those years ago, they were, they were superb. Well, the Channel yeah. 10 coverage was arguably the best we've ever had and light years ahead of where they, you know, everyone else and even where they are now. The amount of things that have been copied off the, that Channel 10 coverage mm. is huge. And I think all I'm saying is I think Bruce going, despite him being probably well past it, I think, and it was the right time to go, just leaves, just really shows how poor what we've got left. I mean, look, sure, who doesn't love to hear Wayne Carey give his thoughts on the culture at footy clubs? <laughs> well, look, he's had plenty of personal experience in those areas. Type. So <laughs> yeah, he's well placed to comment. Very uh, overqualified, you could say. <laughs> he is overqualified. Have you ever 
because I know the duck has received a couple of mentions in your books. Yeah. Have you ever got any feedback on that from, or or from anyone for that matter, that you've written about? Uh, not really. I mean, Wayne Carey. I was going. I wrote a thing. He was in a bit of a book I did, and originally when I was researching it, I had to go and research all the stuff he'd, the bad stuff he'd done in his life, and. It was so long, I, I didn't even bother to add jokes because you just, as you read it, it just goes on and on and on. And But not really. I mean, I don't really get that. I, I've, I've had a few. I get it occasionally where someone will say, so-and-so doesn't like you. So it's more mm. that. It's not direct. But you still came on my podcast, and I thank you for, for, for seeing past our feud. Well, I was just indifferent to your opinion, to be honest. <laughs> So yeah, um, I do get an I do get occasionally I hear someone wasn't happy, but it's not often. But you know, who cares? You know, it's I'm not going to be hanging out with these guys. Well, that it's that is a point we get, to, and it's you know you're a breath of fresh air, Titus. People get so worried about these things in Australia because the well, media is so small. But this is the thing, like everything. So Kerry's an, like an example. You know, I don't know what you guys think, but even if. Do you ever – they all say, oh, he's been forgiven now and all this sort of stuff. Channel 7 have forgiven him. The Age have given him a column. There's sort of this, you know, at the top end in the AFL, they kind of are a bit forgiving of him. But every footy fan I talk to, no no one has forgotten. No one hmm. says to me, Kerry's a great bloke. Like, even if they think he's a great footballer. and But, but I don't think yeah. footy fans have – forgiven at all there's always this big disconnect between what the traditional media think is great yeah and what the fans think is great and the traditional media don't want to say that because if they say it they have to work with them the next day and it gets a bit awkward (laughs) it all of a sudden limits the number of job options you've got yeah so i have i have no job so it's very easy for me to say this (laughs) (laughs) gary Lyons probably a bit like that as well where people you know Broadly, you know, the impression is that all has been forgiven. And but I think if you talk to footy fans, your average yeah. punter, they have a different attitude. Yeah, I think there's always, I think there's a, and 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 it's the same with people who think who's a good commentator and all that. Like you know, a lot of people like Cameron Ling. He doesn't bring the history of a carry. But I've never known any footy fan not to point out in two seconds that Cameron Ling is like the minister for the bleeding obvious, you know, <laughs> you know. And well, Titus, you got to watch out. Limo did a gig uh, two weeks ago in Geelong, and he met Cameron Ling, and uh, they're now best friends. So this is, you know, this is the difference between Limo and me. Limo is both likable and has lots of friends. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know my mum loves Cameron Ling because he was once guest hosting Game Day when I was on and Cameron Ling said that I was very funny. He's like, he's such a nice man. He said nice things about he was you. Contractually, I he was con- Did you tell her that he was contractually obligated to say that? Well, Hamish was contractually obligated, but he never said it. So. <laughs> yeah. okay. Lingy read all of the auto cue. Hamish skipped that bit on the auto cue. Every time, every time. <laughs> My Titus, I, I mean, we used to have Lingy on before the game a lot. He was an excellent guest on before the game, yeah. as was James Pops Kelly. They were both very good guests. But my hatred of Geelong is rubbing up against the fact that every Geelong player I ever meet, I really like. Mm, yeah, and it mm. doesn't 
that doesn't work for me. So I'm, I don't ever want to meet another Geelong player. This is a, like a script of one of those movies where, you know, there's, you're a white family and, and a black family movement store. And through contact, through inter- through having time together, yeah. you learn that they're actually a nice person. <laughs> Hang on, so you had all these stereotypes against the Geelong yeah. player, but you found out hey, he's actually a nice person. It's yeah, a lovely a story. Lemo's, Lemo's like the Ted Bullpit of, uh, of yeah. footy. <laughs> so footy, is footy, this- footy's the only thing that you could still critique, like be disparaging towards another person. Based on their footy club, with no repercussions. Welcome to you know, just, That's pretty much all we do. Yeah, that's right. There's like if you said it about gender, race, religion, all these things, you, you'd be crucified. But if I said, you know what, Collingwood supporters are just the worst people, you'd yeah. get more people going. Hey, he's right. Yeah, you know? Well, then, for the simple fact no one, that they have chosen to be Collingwood support, you can't choose your sexuality, you can't choose your race, your gender, anything like that. But you can, you have chosen to be a Collingwood fan, and therefore you are horrible. I think there's a lot that would argue there was no choice. You, you're born into a certain, some, you know, like yeah. Well, my my son has no choice. Yeah, he's got no choice. He's, he's born all, all the way. Poor kid. How many premierships has he seen in his life? None, poor little bugger. See, you've timed that. I mean, he's, he was bo- he's four. You never want to be born outside the premiership window. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, he was born in 26. He was born off the back of the three-peat. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he was. I'm surprised you only had one. So if you're, hang on, if you're, if you're planning a family right now and your premiership window's about to close, you better hurry. Like Cats fans, like get oh, shagging yeah. now. That's true. Like Brisbane supporters should be quickly getting to it because it's going to be. <laughs> Time is Before about to run out. Our son, though, true story, our son is, can you remember who won the Melbourne Cup in 2015? It was Prince of Penzance with Michelle Payne, which is part owned by AD Brown. Oh, that's we, why your son's name Michelle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, because we all we all had a punt on that because eighty's a part owner. We won, all won a bit of coin because it was paying one hundred to one. Yeah. Uh, Brown was the former producer of Before the Game for everyone uh, playing. Yes, at home but he and, made uh, the award-winning documentary The Test, which appeared on mm-hmm. Amazon Prime last year, which wasn't as good as his first one, Outsiders, about the Bulldogs premiership. Well, that's a, that is that is a biased review right there. It is indeed. Um, so our son is a Prince of Penzance baby. He was born uh, on the twenty sixth of July in twenty sixteen. Oh, so the dates all match up. The dates, yeah, I know. I can say with a fair bit of confidence. <laughs> this is this is a, a lot of info to pick up on the podcast. This is so. So what Limo was saying is, at the point of conception, he was telling his wife about a horse, and uh, that got her over the line. There's nothing that gets me more in the mood than a than a horse race. I got to tell you, yeah, it's tell actually you one of the worst things you could say to to a, to your wife. To hey, imagine an animal better endowed than me. <laughs> it was the it was the fact that it was a hundred to one that really that was a key factor in the yeah, whole. Yeah, yeah. That's that's terrific bit of insight. See, this is what I like about this podcast. You learn you learn something new every time, <laughs> even if you don't want to learn it. You learn yeah. it. it. There have been there have been studies in England, and Titus, you may well be across this about um, increases in birth rates following World Cups, where England have been 
done well, yeah. Or where they've had sort of sporting success that has correlated with an increase in birth rates. And another one is... Um, Death uh, after, a, after a drought breaking. Like after the Boston Red Sox won in 2004 for the first time in 80 years, uh, deaths in like old folks' homes went up because so many people were just hanging on. They finally saw the Red Sox win the World Series. Oh, and then just and they gave, all, they gave oh. it in after that. The other yeah. one is um, England winning international soccer matches and the correlation to the um, British stock market. So they, oh, really? They win an international is all, all generally a bump in the... Right. Um, they're, are they the no? They're not the FTSE. They're the um, anyway, whatever their index is. Well, they, they <laughs> this yeah. this is what happens if you get a bloody Melbourne supporter and a Hawthorne supporter on your podcast. Suddenly, we're discussing indexes, race horses. Wins and losses, though. I mean, it's like you know, family violence is meant to go up after you know a loss or something as well. So you've got the flip side of you know, and. Uh, the, they've done studies that show in winning fans, they get a 20% increase in their testosterone and in losing fans, they get a 20 cent decrease. So you have this physical reaction, huge yeah, change right. in your body chemistry if your team wins. No, so, so, I, so no wonder you had a kid after the Melbourne <laughs> Cup at 101 <laughs> and bouncing off the walls and, and that explains- you only had one. <laughs> haven't had that much ex- success since then that explains why after 2016 i lost all my hair it's just all the testosterone just killed it all testosterone, yeah. too much. um now just to uh shift tax slightly for a moment um the espn they love a um they love a list <laughs> we all do we all do what do you got what's this one i'm excited uh, I've just misplaced it for the moment. Hey, let's just quickly though. What do we make of this new rule, where which is going to lead to about a thousand fifty meter penalties, where you're not allowed to move at all off the mark. Mm. You have to stand like a statue. You can't even turn around, as we discovered in a practice match the other day. That is going to lead to fans losing their freaking minds. Yeah. Here's the here's the problem with this rule is. Um, you now have this situation where it's just making the game harder for the umpires. I always say the umpires aren't to, as blame as we like to say. They're like they're like the call centre operators for a company that keeps having terrible policies. Like they cop all the heat, <laughs> but they're yeah. not. In, so now you've got this situation where you someone takes a mark, you have to stand still on the mark. Now, yeah. If the player taking the kick deviates from their line, you're then allowed to move. So like the buddy arc sort of thing. The minute you, as the kicker, deviate off the line, the man on the mark is then free to move. Now, the umpires are all going to have to judge who moved first all the time. Now, you can't (laughs) tell me that's going to make, that's not making the game much harder because sometimes they'll think, not the guy on the the kicker moved first, so therefore the guy on the mark was right. Other times the man on the mark will move because the guy taking the kick moved, and he'll be wrongly penalised. It's going. To, it it just makes the game so that much harder, which means. 
players are going to have to just stand on the mark even if someone does start to arc around because they're, they're going to want to like make it really clear that they're not moving first. So it's just adding difficulty to a game that's already way too complicated to officiate anyway. And I'm not convinced that it solves the key problems that they're actually trying to solve as well. So it's just – but this is from a guy that invented a package of – rules to increase scoring that led to one of the lowest scoring seasons we've ever had. <laughs> that, is, yeah. that is a very good point. Although in the practice matches where they've you adopted this new rule, apparently it has sped up play. Yeah, I'm, look, it's I'm not saying this is no. it's like all things. It's not is it going to be the end of the world? Is it going to destroy the game? No, you know, it's like how how much have we been ready all our lives that Flooding is going to destroy the game, or the yeah. sliding in rules going to like. It's, of course, it's not, but it's just it doesn't address the key problem that the AFL has at the moment, which is there's too many teams and too many players, and therefore the talent pool is weak, and a lot of these players shouldn't be playing a professional sport, and they oh, can't wow. be the target to save themselves. Now he sounded like a dictator. Yeah. There are too many players. Please, so it's but there are to too many up. players. <laughs> if you got rid of two teams yeah. and spread their top talent across the rest of the league. It's like every time it gets to the finals, people go, oh, how great's this game? And you go, yeah, because everyone in this these two teams is competent. Which, okay, which teams so are we dropping, we, Titus? Who are we getting rid of? Getting rid of? We, we discussed this in our... Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. <laughs> I was, I was going to say Essendon and Collingwood, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they uh, we discussed this on our Patreon episode last week. And by the way, um, do get involved in the Patreon. Even to hear last week, um, something that was said on last week's normal episode, we can't talk about it on the free-to-air ones, but if you look, go to our Patreon, you will find why the Australian Federal Police uh, sent us a message after one of our stories last week. Uh, you can hear that on the Patreon. Uh, also, Patreon's now in Aussie dollars, so for just five bucks Australian, you can get bonus content. But we, Lima and I, decided that we need to we need a Tassie team and a Northern Territory team. And the logic is uh, the Kangaroos go to Northern Territory because they're already North. It works, North and Territory, you know. And, uh, and the I feel demon, like the kangaroo is a good animal for the Territory as well. Hell yeah. There's kangaroos well, there. Sense. Makes sense. And we think Melbourne should move to Tassie just because then they can be the Van Diemen's. It works. Van Diemen's land. Yeah. <laughs> so would you be happy to relocate, Titus, uh, or your club at least? Uh, no, I wouldn't be happy to relocate at all. You know, I, don't, I, I think going to um, Marvel Stadium is too far. So. <laughs> But then, Titus, you'd get a home ground, an actual place to call the Demon's Own, which you haven't had We have since. a home ground. We let other Where? people play at it. The MCG, we let other people play at it, but uh, it's actually our home ground. Always has been. Where do you train these days? Are you still at Gosh's Paddock or are you down in Casey? Where are you? We, we train at a car park in Beaumont. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just train us tonight, boys. <laughs> We're, I mean, we're trying to Clayton know. Oliver's mum's house if she's not home. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and they that's kick right. between. They get they get two rubbish bins and two sand shoes. Yeah, they try. Right. We we got not very. We got one of those brown plastic footies that you had when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> 
And yeah. at least you got that back because uh, I, I believe um, uh, one of your players, uh, Max Gorn, kicked it over the fence last year and you were without it for three months. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, if we played in the backyard, they, they can't hit a target. Every kick would go over the fence. <laughs> but when you did train with the imaginary ball for a while last year, everyone was hitting targets. Oh, it was amazing. You know, just yeah. the quick hands. Amazing. <laughs> they, were, they were very good. I agree, though. There are too many teams. I, I would love perf- perfect world, Melbourne, never going to happen, but Melbourne should have five teams and plus Geelong for Victoria, six teams in Victoria. Well, I mean, I believe that at the time, so the, and I believe it now, that the expansion of the Gold Coast and GWS was one of the greatest strategic mistakes the Australian Football League slash VFL has ever made. Um, it was predicated on boom times, which we're now learning are not going to continue. Um, yeah. They're in areas that have shown very little actual real interest in actually having them. And you had Brisbane and you had Sydney there already who could get a lot of that. So, you know, but you can't undo things as easily as you'd like. But, you know, they, they to me, were the strategically the two most unnecessary and it massively diluted the talent pool. There's just too many teams. If this was a 16-league team or 14 would be even better, the quality of play would be amazing. It would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, and uh, relocate. One team down to Tassie and one up to uh, North Melbourne, up to the Territory. And you don't want Melbourne down there. So, yeah, well, let's go back to Essendon, Danny. Well, someone's going to have to because we've seen for the first time now, like, you know, Fitzroy went before all the big TV deals. Mm -hmm. So once the big TV deals came in, it became impossible for the AFL to really make a case that North or St Kilda or Melbourne, uh, those sort of usual ones discussed, should be you know, moved because there was enough money to keep anything floating. In fact, they were launching two new teams with hundreds of millions of dollars they spent on both of them. So, but you suddenly look after post-coronavirus and with sports TV deals going down in money, I reckon the pressure is going to come back on for the first time in, you know, 20 years that sustaining this many clubs in Melbourne is, is going to come back on the agenda for the first time in a long time. So are you saying now, market. Titus, that, that, that pretty much this year any team, any Melbourne team that doesn't make top eight should probably be liquidated? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, you're I not thought putting so. words yeah, in my right. mouth at all. Just I mean, well, Jeff, Jeff's down. already said that Hawthorne are willing to go. So That's I, true, yeah. What was that, though? Is there a single Bowery Hawthorne <laughs> players, Hawthorne fans that live in Tassie? I can't think of a single Hawthorne fan that's even no. like close no. to thinking that's a good idea. I suspect he said it as a negotiating tool to say to Tasmania, that was a message to Tassie to say, hey, we love you. We love the state. So when they try and negotiate the next, I, ridiculous, and he's had a shocker, but mm. I think that must have been something of See, part of what was you, on his head. You think he's playing 3D chess? <laughs> Am I giving him too much credit? The I president's gambit. There we go. <laughs> he doesn't have a history of saying silly things, so we've got to we've got to take this on face value. We do, we do have to take that into consideration. Hey, um, the we love a list. I've found this list. All right, what's the list? Well, it's more a question that's asked to some of the ESPN journalists. 
and you know you're getting desperate for footy season to start and for column inches on your website, when you ask the question, which team is the hardest to read? Because, <laughs> um, of course, they, the- everyone's putting out their predictions to the same, which one is the hardest to predict? Now, is it hard to predict because you're just not very good at analysing the team and the coaches and the list, or are they genuinely hard to predict? Well, considering everyone just spends the off-season lying, it is pretty hard to read all 18 clubs because everyone's training the house down. They've put on, you know, seven kilo of muscle, running beautifully. It's yeah. uh, it's pretty hard to – I'll tell you the hardest match to read. Uh, that's yeah. uh, yesterday's Saints v. Crows in the AFLW where they both wore the same jumper. Oh, yeah. Um, I was, I was, it was pretty much unwatchable, I have to say. It was, yeah. And that's a, was, that's a comment on the, the fashion, as not not the skill not level. The point, yeah. I was getting a headache. And I know it was two Indigenous jumpers. Like, I get all that. But, yeah. you know, seriously, it just, it was, you can it was tell. Shocking. It just looked like but, the same, it looked like training. We will go to the AFLW uh, games uh, quickly, uh, but uh, Leems, what 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 team is ESPN saying is the hardest to read? Uh, Melbourne, it's unanimous. Oh Melbourne. well, congrats! You won something, Lee, which, uh, which, Titus. Which means Titus. I hope this is some consolation. What I can read into that is that Melbourne could have a really good year, or they could have a really terrible year. Is that a familiar feeling for you in <laughs> well, the preseason? No, we're not even that good. Like lately, we've just been mediocre in the middle like so they can you know which is almost sometimes worse because you know last year they put me in a position where we basically just missed out on finals and it came down to they made me have to barrack for Frio to win in the last round oh yeah (laughs) which is just the cruelest I mean that's almost worse than finishing you know 14th or 15th where there's under the you know sort of the the Bailey Neald years you, you were just dead inside, like it hurt, but you just you had no hope whatsoever. You weren't even thinking. And so now they're doing this thing of they should be playing finals and they don't, which is even worse, you know. It's the it hope hurts. that kills you. It's the hope. Like Ted Lasso the, says. Yeah, they're just stuffing things up, you know. They're just being hopeless. Oh, by the way, Ted Lasso, uh, t- Jason Sudeikis won a Golden Globe for Best, uh, best Actor in a Comedy. Oh, it's a and- great show. We, so Titus, good. you told me about it, and I told Limo, and now people, when they find it, say, "Hey, thanks, they came to play. It's really awesome." But uh, we should give credit because you, I remember you telling me that you you hate watched it, thinking from because the trailer does make it look terrible. Well, I, I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't say hate watch it, but I watched the first one like thinking, "I wonder how bad this is actually going to be," and then and, it's amazing. Yeah. And then I was my favorite show of last year, and one of my favorite ever. But just on ESPN, one of my favourite things is uh, a couple of years ago, there were six births in the United States where parents named their kids ESPN. <laughs> I mean. How good is that? Wow. It, well, that's, that's America for you. It just makes Did they at least spell it right? I mean, yeah, it's a country where people call their kids Coca-Cola. And, yeah, you know. ESPN is the name. Imagine calling your kid Fox Footy. <laughs> um, ESPN. How do you spell that? <laughs> ESPN. Um, 
All right, we better zip through the AFLW and then, uh, right. and then wrap it up for the week. Give us your uh, give us your one line match report, uh, Danny. McGuire, okay, Tigers won their first ever game. Congrats to all the uh, Richmond fans who listened to it. Hey, but Limo, it's okay. The Cats lost. They beat the Cats. Oh, sorry. Yes, got ahead of myself. Great result. Yep. Cats have lost a grand fi- the men's grand final and now bottom of the ladder of the women's. Does that make 2020 worth it for you? <laughs> no. Look, I like I like those stats, but yeah. no. No, he's, <laughs> good, he's good mates with Cats fans now. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Side. Yeah, he's devastated. <laughs> yeah. Some of my best uh, friends. Dogs v Giants. It was a nice stress-free win for us. I mean, uh, there were no trains going in and out of the city, which I didn't realise until I left my house with my whole family trying to get there. So that was the stress of the day. But once I got to the game, it was good. Uh, Yeah, we were really... um, Do do you know what the most fun is? If you you haven't seen the the highlights, go on the AFL website and just listen to... I mean, we're talking about commentators. Kelly Underwood, you can actually hear her... She doesn't want to just keep saying Bonnie too good is too good. And she's like, you can hear her trying to stop herself from saying all the obvious things. But Bonnie too good was just dominating. And and you see, and you just hear Kelly going, too good. Oh, she's just too, she is too good. She's almost hating herself as she's saying it. She's, <laughs> it's, that name seems it's like a, a blessing, but I think it's a curse. Yeah. It's, no, and, it's uh, one of the great. One of the great sport names. Oh, right. definitely. He's gone right into the... It's a classic. It's a classic. It's, uh, and I'll tell you the best moment of the, the match. Uh, this was uh, off off the ground. Um, my wife was having a kick with my boy at um, at halftime while I was getting ice cream for everyone. And I came back and my wife said that a ball had sort of been coming through the air and she just batted it away. And this kid who was about eight was running for it and then she batted it and the kid sort of did a pirouette on one on one foot and gathered the ball in the most easy uh made it look effortless and she just and she it's like for my wife to actually even notice that and care because I brought over the ice cream she went see that boy he did the most amazing thing and I looked at it it's Liam Pickens kid ah right, right. just uh, that's that very good for the father son would it, yeah, he doesn't want to play for Melbourne this year. We could rush him yeah. through. Brisbane <laughs> <laughs> and Freo, Danny. Brisbane and Freo, I've got a big call here. Um, Freo didn't score a goal for three yeah. quarters, and my big call is that's actually bad. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with you on that. <clears throat> I think to be goalless at three-quarter time is, is not good. Is yeah. that right? Yep. Yeah. Bang, yeah. next game. <laughs> uh, uh, I would have preferred... Uh, Kangas v Blues. Uh, we get to the point of the season where you're checking results, hoping they go your way. I would have preferred the Blues to win, but uh, Abitangelo was just uh, amazing, and the Kangas got up. Crows v Saints, clash jumper. Oh, uh, Justine Mules got her first goal. In uh, she's played like 32 games, played every season for the Crows, and she got her first goal. Oh, yeah. Celebrated like a champion. It reminded me of that. Uh, was it, is it which Hawthorne player got a goal last year? It was only his second goal ever in the last. It's in his last game. Ben Stratton. Yeah, and the difference between this one is well, uh, the ball was – the, the difference here, the, the ball was legitimately passed to her, not just uh, uh, kicked 30, 30 centimetres away from him. Hey, hey, hey. Jack Gunston, one of, the, one of the greatest goal kickers in the history of the Hawthorne Football Club, who was 20 metres out directly in front, found a better option. 
And uh, that was Ben Stratton, who had one career goal to his name. He was 75 centimetres away. There was no way that's a yeah. legitimate kick. And I reckon, in all seriousness, I reckon it went about six metres, that kick. Yeah. But the umpire had a wonderful sense of occasion. <laughs> History. History being yeah, made. Yes, exactly. Um, the, and the Pies remain the only undefeated team, Danny. Yeah. Do you want to take this one, Titus? I guess you well, watched it a bit closer than me. Well, I had two things that came out of this. One, I went to get a ticket that was sold out. And oh. being a Melbourne fan, that's just something I've never had to deal with in my entire <laughs> life. I was like, I literally, well, I logged in. I was like, oh, I better quickly grab a ticket. I think it was the day before. And, I, you know, I'd been teaming to go the whole time. And I just went, oh, I'll, I'll quickly grab a ticket, log in, sold out. I was like yeah. refreshing the browser going, oh, a ticket text down again, obviously. Um, but no, it was sold out. So it was terrible. But I was glad I didn't get a ticket. I watched it on TV. The whole thing, and uh, Collingwood just destroyed them yeah. physically. Chloe Malloy was amazing. Absolute, yeah, this physically absolutely belted the living suitcases out of them. Um, and the standard is just—I mean, the, the standard has just gone up such a level in the last twelve months. Hell yeah! Um, and it has Couldn't every year, more. but I think this is the this has been the most entertaining season by a mile, and um, it felt like it had really be, it felt like a real league when. Melbourne can disappoint me like that across genders. <laughs> Nature yeah. is healing. Yeah. Really meeting the KPIs. Yeah. There. <laughs> and, over a w team. and finally, in a nail-biter, the West Coast Eagles denied the Gold Coast Suns their first win, Danny. Yeah, yeah. and we give a shout-out to uh, they came to play super fan Josie Birch, who I got hit up by her cousin saying she listens every week and she's a big Eagles fan, so she would have been absolutely uh, up and about uh, after that. Um, I would, The main hero of this match for me um, was the Fox Sports lighting department because if you guys watch this, they, throw, they then occasionally cut to the commentary and uh, you've got people like Ellie Blackburn doing special comments. And, of course, Ellie Blackburn cannot fly over to Perth to do this. The borders are closed. So, but they make it look like they're at the game. And so they genuinely fooled me that they're, they're so they're sitting in the studio in South Melbourne, but they do the same lighting as if they're at the ground. It's genuinely brilliant, brilliant sneaky television. Well, the the AFL's had a proud history of lighting when it comes to the AFLW. Do you remember <laughs> when at at Vizzy Park they didn't have the right lighting? It was quite dark at oh, one of the first yeah. AFLW games, and they were like. You know, people were saying, oh, this is actually dangerous that the lighting's so bad. And then I was like, no, nah, it's fine. And Didn't, then. Wasn't there a and, dumb excuse of well, like. Then, then, two weeks later, the NAB Cup or the NAB Challenge or whatever it was called, the men played there and the AFL announced, we're putting in extra lights, you know, for the men. Typical. Yeah. And when the media said, isn't this, you know, a bit unfair that for the women, you know, they don't have the right level of light, you put in more light for the men. And I kid you not, you can Google this 100% true. A spokesperson for the AFL said, oh, I think it's different. On The men have six, uh, 18 players on the field at all times and the women have 16. So he's basically saying they need more lights because there's more people on the field. Yes, yeah. I was like, I don't think this is how... Light works. <laughs> you no, know? no, Darcy Vessio absorbs light. She's a black hole. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't, I don't think, like, it's not like if, if it, you know, and so I thought at AFL House, 
if they're having a meeting and an extra person enters the room, they go, oh, quick, better better <laughs> on another light because Jono's just come in. You know, bring, bring, a lamp, bring a lamp, Jono. Come on. Did it get dark in here all of a sudden? <laughs> now, when you go into a meeting at AFL House, everyone gets one of those miners' helmets. Yeah, with the right. light to the helmet. But that really happened. They actually said that. They actually claimed that it was they needed more lights because there was more two more people on the or four more people on the ground. No. Fantastic. Good, good crisis management from the AFL there. Um, uh, an hour has just slipped by, gentlemen. Mm. With us, but we didn't even finish the introduction. So. <laughs> Yeah, where, where is your festival show, Titus? Uh, Titus, where's your festival show? It is, uh, it is at the Lead Hotel, which is uh, on Victoria Street there, um, and Richmond in Richmond. So, um, yep. and uh, it's uh, kicking off. I'm just trying to remember. It's kicking off the Sunday, 28th of March, uh, to Sunday, the 18th of April. So, I think I'm doing about 19 shows at this stage. Um, yeah, so um, people should get on down. It's going to be a, a lot of fun, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing everyone again. Tickets you, available through your website? Through my uh, – if you go onto my social media, through the Comedy Festival site, if you Google Tyson O'Reilly Comedy Festival tickets, you'll you'll find it. So I'd love to see everyone there. It's going to be a lot of fun and just a man breaking down on stage for an hour. So who wouldn't want to see that? that? That is, that's got potential award winner written on it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Danny, where's your show? What are the details? Uh, Imperial Hotel, just doing a week, 29th of March to 4th of April, 7 o'clock, uh, 6 o'clock on the Sunday. Uh, yeah, tickets through comedyfestival.com.au. And if you're a Bulldogs member, you get cheap tickets. I'm doing that for, oh, my, yeah. for my club. Good stuff. If you're a Melbourne party, I, I charge them more because I know they're good for it. <laughs> To be guaranteed a, a gig at your fi- grand final ticket. Yeah. And if you're a Melbourne player, you're just not allowed to come. Uh, <laughs> I'm on at the Imperial Hotel as well from the 24th of March for two weeks. Show's called 2020 Vision. I'm currently doing it at the Adelaide Fringe. So if you're in Adelaide, come and check it out. Um, but that's uh, that's it. Titus, thank you for being Tess Armstrong for a day. Much appreciated, mate. Well, I much prefer to be her than me. <laughs> so I think she has to see agrees with you. Uh, uh, Danny Beginlay, thank you. Thank you. Go dogs. Uh, and, and next week um, we're going to be in the same room again. And uh, we thanks to the Patreons, we have bought a brand new um, recording thing. So we're going to sound a lot less shit from next week onwards. And our guest is from the our guest test is from the outer sanctum, Rana Hussein. It's going to be exciting. Very nice. Uh, what did you t- what did you call the thing you bought? It's some tech shit. Yeah, some tech stuff thingy. Tech stuff. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a doodad. It, yeah, okay, that'll that'll help. Uh, all right, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, please rate the podcast if you get a chance. Tell your friends about it and come along and see all of our festival shows. Uh, and we'll be back later in the week for the Patreons. Go Hawks!